as we tend to look at our Good Friday service. Uh, there's a lot of crowd. Have you noticed a lot of crowd around, like going out shopping? Like I went shopping yesterday to pack and save. Like I don't normally go to pack and save, but I decided, oh, let's go somewhere different. You know, I've decided I'm going to be a bit adventurous and go to a different shopping area. So I went to pack and save. And let me tell you, so I'm not sure, is it, is it Easter or what? But there was crowded. I thought, I went out like 11 a.m. I figured people will be still at work. You know, I'm working from home. I haven't, we haven't got a building yet. <laughs> so I can go to 11. So I'll go to 11, try to be strategic. And I went there. And I felt like all of Hamilton was shopping at Pack and Save at the same time. I was like, how do I get through? How do I get through these aisles? All I was thinking was, I want to go back to my regular store, my regular grocery store. But there were so many crowds. And crowds are interesting. They're, they're, uh, crowds are interesting. You don't know what crowds are going to do. They can be spontaneous. Crowds can be um, unpredictable. But it's a crowd. It's a crowd nevertheless. And uh, years ago, uh, years ago when I was about, mm, well, I'm thinking seven years of age when I was back in primary school, I just want to share this story. Um, it's not, it's not a, a good story. It's not, it's not a story that I'm proud of. In fact, it's a story that I'm quite ashamed of. And, uh, but I sh- I'm sharing this story because it really highlights the power of a crowd. And when I was about seven years of age, I know this will be hard for you to believe, but I was showing off in front of all these girls. I know it's very hard because I'm not that type of person. <laughs> so I'm showing off in front of these girls. Um, it's, just, you know, it's lunchtime and you're having fun playing and doing all these things. And then all of a sudden, I have no idea why, I started chanting this boy's name. This boy that we all knew, he was in, in one of the classes, and, and I'm not going to say his real name. Let's say his name is John. Just use the name John. And I just start, wasn't just chanting his name. I was saying, let's get John. Let's get John. Let's get John. I'm just chanting his name. And as I'm chanting his name, I'm walking through the playground. One by one, different boys would join me in this chant. And then before you knew it, we had this mob of boys chanting, let's get John. And poor John... He had no idea what was coming, and we ended up harassing him, harassing um, this boy. And um, as soon as the bow went, as, as quickly as the, as the crowd appeared, it dispersed. Um, so these boys were swept up in the crowd, swept up in the crowd, not knowing why, not knowing why, or, or because I was showing off, and crowds can be dangerous. Well, after we went back to class, um, the principal walked into our classroom, followed by John and and um, and as we looked out the window he, the principal had come from the class next to us and outside were a line of boys standing there like ready for the firing line the principal walked in with John the principal walked in carrying the strap this is the good old days the good old the good old corporate punishment where you got the strap from your teacher or from the principal for misbehavior and he's holding this little big leather strap and there's John and John begins to point out all the perpetrators points them all out one by one they stand they say god stand outside stand in the line out there right and as he and funny enough he doesn't pick me out of the crowd i didn't get i didn't i didn't get picked up and then they begin to leave they begin to leave and and, and i knew these boys are going to get the strap all because of my stupid i don't know why this because i'm trying to show off and so i this huge guilt came upon me like i was felt so guilty that i called out to the principal and i said sir I was one of the perpetrators. Put my hand up. I said, well, I was one of them. And he turns to John and says, John, was Ants one of the perpetrators? And John says, no, he wasn't. Because funny enough, the reason, reason he said I wasn't, because although I started this commotion, I didn't actually join in 
with the harassment, you know. I was, you know, so I didn't actually join him. So he says, no, I wasn't. And I was like, I insisted, no, 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 it was me. I was there. And, and principal said, okay, go join the boys. So I'm standing in this line outside. This is at Gene Baden Primary School. <laughs> Gene Baden, I was standard one. Whatever that was, that year three today. I was standard one, year three, and the principal there lining us up with the strap. And you know what? He gave us the biggest growling in the world, and we all went and apologized to John. But for whatever reason, we never got the strap. We never got the strap. We never got that strap. And I and I'm, I'm thinking. I think years later, was it because I put my hand up, and the principal thinking I was innocent, didn't want an innocent person to get the strap. We're all along. Any of those boys who deserved the strap, it was me, because it was me who who began to cry out. But this is the thing about crowds. Crowds can be dangerous. And so uh, this isn't the proudest moment of my life, but I share this story to remind us to be careful of the crowd. What do we know about crowds? Crowds are gatherings of people in public spaces. They vary in sizes, and crowds are usually impersonal because some of the, not everyone in the crowd knows each other. Right? And, uh, and what, what, what do we also know about the crowd? Most of the people in the crowd sometimes don't even know why they're there. They just find themselves caught up in the crowd or why they're even gathered. Crowds can be spontaneous, they can be planned, or they can be a mixture of both, right? You can just find yourself caught up in a crowd. And crowds can disperse um, in an orderly fashion, or they can cause harm by rampaging through. Crowds can be dangerous, but crowds can also be good, right? Like crowds at a game in a stadium, cheering on the mighty Chiefs as they destroyed the, the Blues during the Super Rugby, <laughs> or things like that. But because crowds have influence, the crowds have influence over those who are, who, are, who are willingly part of it or unwillingly part of it. So this week is known as the Passion Week. It marks Jesus' final, final journey leading to the crucifixion and resurrection. There were three different crowds during Passion Week. Three very different crowds. Each crowd had a different outcome. And so um, as we begin to journey through this, I want to talk about the three crowds. The first crowd we find on Palm Sunday. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 12, verse 12. And, and it reads, The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So this crowd is not from Jer Jerusalem. They're traveling to Jerusalem. In fact, this crowd started in, in Galilee and has made its way through to Jericho, and then some people from Jericho joined them, and they're on the way to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Right. So the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. We jump to Matthew, Matthew verse 21, verse 9. Caesar like this, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Right? So the whole so can you imagine this crowd coming? Jesus is leading the procession. The procession. He's leading the way, and, they're, and they're, they're putting branches down. They're putting their cloaks down. He's riding on a donkey. And the people are crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed are he who comes in the name of the Lord. Just declaring that he is the Messiah. And, and, and uh, the people in Jerusalem is hearing this commotion. And, and they begin to ask. They say, 
Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And, and, and everyone's heard of Jesus. The, the, word, the words had, had spread. And so now you've got two different so you've got guys, crowds coming from inside joining Jerusalem. And these guys are stirred up. And think of, think of this energy like the energy of a stadium, a sports stadium, cheering people on. This is the energy that is taking place right here in Jerusalem. And all of Jerusalem is shaken. Right, because we've got the and and they're all coming together. We've got these visitors coming into this big city, pilgrims visiting the temple of Jerusalem for the most sacred ritual in the Jewish year. So we've got this crowd, this 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 Palm Sunday crowd. It's a it's a it's a mixed crowd. It's a crowd from from outsiders, with people from within the city, and everyone is praising and singing Hosanna. Hosanna, and just in this electric, you can feel the electricity in the crowd. Just like if you've ever been to a sports stadium of a team cheering on the, the crowd, it can be very electric. And this is what, this is the energy that we're talking about in the praise and the worship. So, what can we learn from the crowd on Palm Sunday? This is what we learn our proper and appropriate response to worshiping Jesus is a spontaneous joy of loud adoration. He is. God incarnate. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. See, this is the kind of praise that we declare Jesus. This is a Pentecostal kind of praise. This is the drums beating. This is the guitars going. This is people raising their hands, praising God, singing hallelujah, hosanna. This is, this is not some quiet reflection. And I'm just worshiping God quietly because this is how I do it. No, this is loud and spontaneous. This is a declaration of who He is. And this is Palm Sunday worship. This is who He is. I love love what Luke chapter 19 verse 39 says. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Come on. I don't know about you. But no rock is going gonna, is gonna to outpraise me. Come on. Because if you don't praise Jesus, the rocks will declare it. Nature will declare it. And no rock is going to take my place in declaring that Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we've got this, got this Jesus crowd, this Palm Sunday crowd, which shook Jerusalem to the core. It shook the establishment of, of Jerusalem. It demonstrated the popularity of Jesus, this outsider who is now within the city. And this threatened the political status quo. And the response was this. We're going to plan to kill him. So Palm Sunday set the stage for what will, what will follow during the Passion Week, during this Holy Week. And by the, end of the, uh, by the end of the week, there's another crowd, a different crowd, gathered at Pilate's palace. So this is a different crowd to the crowd that we find on Palm Sunday. So let's, if, let's read with me in Matthew chapter 27, verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. So every year during this feast, um, the governor would release a prisoner. So people will come. Will come to and they'll begin to uh, and they'll begin. This is they'll come with this political agenda, and they've got the different people who they want to be released, right? Different members of this crowd. Verse sixteen, and they they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, "Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, 
who was called Christ. For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. So the crowd at Pilate's palace is, the, is a very different crowd to the crowd on Palm Sunday. This is a political crowd. These were, these were crowds that came with a, a political agenda. right? Because this is an event designed by Rome. Factions, there were factions within the crowd and, and, they, and they came concerning the certain prisoners that they wanted to be released. And uh, what's really interesting, there were four prisoners. There were four prisoners. Uh, only one of them was released. We don't know... We don't know the names of the two of two of these prisoners, but we do know they were crucified with Jesus. In fact, the, the two that was crucified with Jesus, uh, Jesus if, is that if they had factions advocating for them, we all we know is that their voices were drowned out by the shouts of the crowd. So the choice came down to Barabbas or Jesus. Verse twenty. Let's go to verse twenty. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas. And destroy Jesus. This is the power of the crowd. The governor gave and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. This is the crowd. The power of a crowd. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning. This is, again, the power of this political crowd. Very different crowd. He took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, having scourged Jesus Delivered him to be crucified. See, Pilate caved in. He caved in because the crowd began to chant, Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. It's amazing being caught up in a crowd. Let's get John. Let's get John. It's amazing the power of, the power of a crowd. But the truth is this. Jesus submitted himself to this political process. Jesus allowed himself to go through this because not, neither Pilate nor Rome nor these arrogant religious leaders nor any crowd could prevent Jesus from his mission to reconcile us to God. Jesus laid down his life and he, and he, and he volunteered himself. And so that was the crowd. That was the second crowd. This political crowd at Pilate's palace. And so the final crowd that we find is the crowd at the cross. This crowd is a, is a mixed crowd. It's, it's, it's the most diverse of the three crowds. And, and in this crowd, you have those, you have the Palm Sunday crowd. And you have this political crowd from Pilate's palace. And you also have people in this crowd, no doubt, who weren't in any of these crowds, but they came to watch the spectacle of the crucifixion because this was like, this was like the main event and everyone's coming to see this. But one thing we do know for sure is that all those who were at this crucifixion, at this crowd, were spellbound as, as what transpired before him, that God was working out his purpose. And there was a range of emotions there. You had the, this political crowd saying, mocking Jesus on the cross. And uh, if you truly are the one, you know, call the angels. 
mocking him at the cross. And then you had others who were part of this Palm Sunday who were, who were in mourning and, and crying and, and in despair and disheartened, confused. And what's going on? I thought he was the one. He, he, and there was a whole range of emotion. And others were just there thinking, what's going on? What's happening here? Because this was no ordinary crucifixion. And I love what, what John writes. John, who was the only disciple who was at the cross. John, the youngest of the disciples, as tradition puts it. John writes this in 3.16. I love what he says. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So what does this mean for us? It means only two crowds exist today. Did you know that? That today, two crowds exist. There's the crowd that recognizes and accepts and accepts Jesus as Lord. They accept that Jesus is the risen Lord. That's one crowd. And the other crowd that exists today is the crowd that continues to reject them. The crowd who consciously or by ne- neglect don't, don't recognize who he is. And we hear this crowd. We hear this crowd in our workplace. We, we see this crowd in, in media. So here's a question. Which crowd are you in? Which crowd are you in? Because you need to understand something. The answer cannot be found in a crowd response. You know, you, that's not where the answer is found. You can't be in a crowd. You can't be swept up with what everyone else is saying. You can't be swept up with who is the loudest voice in the room. Because Jesus seeks a personal relationship. It's not a crowd response, but it's a personal response. Will you be that voice within the crowd? Because if you hear his voice today, harden not your heart. Living in a personal relationship with Jesus is the only life worth living. And I love the story of the centurion at the cross. So centurion who who commanded the soldiers to carry out the execution of Jesus. This centurion, he was skilled in taking human life. Pain was his warfare. I can only think what goes through a man, a man's mind, who's, who's only known war, who's only known death, who only, know, who, who only knows the best way to hurt someone. I can only imagine what's been go- God's going through the centurion's mind. You know, I can only imagine he's thinking, am I too far gone? You know, I'm too far gone. No one can save me. I'm too f- you, you don't realize what I've done. You don't, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand the things that I can do. But the crucifixion of Jesus is no ordinary crucifixion. And here's the centurion. He hears the words of Jesus. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Powerful words. The centurion, no doubt, he, he knew who Jesus was. Everyone knew who Jesus was. He's heard of the, of the miracles. He's heard of, of, of his teachings of, of, of love and forgiveness. Now he stands before this man, overseeing his death. And I can only imagine the, the wrestle within this mind, the centurion's mind. On hearing these words and hearing the words of the centurion, he forgives me? Can I be forgiven? Even me? Even what I have done? 
See, the crucifixion of Jesus invokes conviction amongst the centurion that brings about his conversion. I love what Mark says in Mark chapter 15, verse 37. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the, the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. That's the power of the cross. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of how, how, how too far gone you think you are, regardless of what you think was the greatest mistake, your greatest regrets, Jesus offers you new life, free of shame and regret. The cross of Jesus redeems whosoever believes in Him. Someone called Jesus the man that you cannot ignore. You can ignore Him as a liar. You can dismiss Him as a lunatic or serve Him as the Lord. Which crowd do you belong? How do you respond?